And so, you know, they, they spent about three years with uh, a people that were known as the uh, Quikas or the Quikukas. I don't know how you even say that. Uh, and then after that, you know, they had started reaching them. They started coming to the Lord. And then his ultimate goal of, of reaching the Akas was realized. And so they start, you know, flying over there. Now you have to remember these people were, were hardly touched by civilization. Right. So while he got, when Jim and Elizabeth Elliot and the rest of the crew got to Ecuador, at first they were just there to reach lost people in general. And in the process of learning the language and understanding the land, they hear about sort of almost like old wives tales that there's this tribe out there that nobody can get to, that nobody can reach, that if you get close, they'll attack you. And his response, while everyone else is like, stay away from them, like the Elliot's response was, that's where the Lord wants us. Hmm. Not away from danger, but into danger. Not because they were adrenaline junkies, but because what they heard were there are people out there who are lost. You guys are obviously familiar with the Where Are They Now articles and documentaries that regularly pop up online. They can be very cruel. Annoyingly so sometimes, yeah. But my mind recently went on a Where Is It Now journey. Like, where's that funky little outfit that I wore in that picture of me at Disneyland when I was five years old? The one that had the apples on it and looked like a matching pair of underwear and undershirt that my mom dressed me up in. Oh, we've always wondered about that. It's a true story. Yeah, it's me standing, Winnie the Pooh is somewhere next to me, and I'm wearing these tight, you guys remember underoos? Yes. Yeah, they were like those. Yeah. yeah. But but like, I I looked like I was literally wearing the shortest pair of underwear and tight little undershirt with little apples on it. Was a couple years ago? (laughs) Last year, actually. And, uh, and I had to, and in my mind, I thought, you know what, this, that beautiful little outfit has to be somewhere. Right, even if it's buried and decomposing in a dump somewhere, it's got to be somewhere. And so, here's a brilliant quote that you can attribute to me for all time. Listen, listen really closely. Everything is somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That is really profound. (laughs) Well, so you can't have everything. Where would you put it? Uh, Everything is somewhere. Somewhere. I love that. But you guys ever seriously wonder, like, where in the world is that? When you said that, were you legitimately? Like amazed with yourself ah, it was when like, you were wow. sitting in your car and you're like everything is somewhere. Oh wow! Well, I this well, <laughs> yeah, it was one of, like I looked to the right, to the left, in front of me, behind me, and then I I just real quickly patted myself on the back. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, everywhere is somewhere. No, nope. everywhere is somewhere. Everything. Oh, thank you, Oscar. <laughs> for see, Oscar memorized my quote, uh, and that's un- special. Unfortunately. Uh, but, we can but, start over if you uh, want. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no the, the prof- I, we're only two minutes in. The profundity of that is just absolutely glorious. Mm. The, but, yeah, the guys, uh, come on, though. You have to admit, you look back at pictures sometimes, and you're like, what did my parents do to me? Pinterest? <laughs> Pinterest. Don't you guys, though, look at pictures at times and think, what in the world? Why did they dress me this no. way? Why was my hair I, I was, uh, this comedian came on somewhere the other day, and it was like a two-minute clip. And they're like, you know, you think about like, you think about the pictures our grandparents take. And when they like show you the pictures, it's like, wow, that's you like meeting the vice president. Wow. That's like you graduating from college. And he's like, think about like what our great grandkids, when we show them pictures, like, wow, that's what you ate for lunch that day. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's the pair of shoes that you got. (laughs) The the meaningfulness of pictures today are so much 
less than the meaningful oh, of pictures back well, in the day. Well, you were careful what you took pictures of back in the day because you knew you had 24 shots yeah. <laughs> that you would hope were going to come out okay. I mean, again, the, our kids are so disconnected from this. I don't know if my kids have ever seen like one of the old, I mean, I, well, my, they're good. The my Polaroid daughter, is a thing. My now. daughter Kylie has a Polaroid, but, but I'm talking like the old film, you know, cameras that you would. I my mean, son still use those old school all the time. Our kids, our kids use them too. Why? Cause they don't have is phones. It all, not, is it now like, let's go back to what No, was our kids don't have phones. So when they go on camping trips and stuff, we'll buy them like a disposable camera and they'll take pictures and then we'll have it developed. Wait, for them they, when they still get have disposable yeah. cameras. You guys know nothing. You've heard of a brownie box. A, a brownie what? box. See? Is that a box a full of brownies? No, no, no. This is a, this is before the cameras that you guys. That's not about. when they would put the blanket over their head. And no, that was after that. It was a little black box and it was by Kodak. Yeah. And that was the first really domestic is that the one that went? No, no, you're thinking of a race car. No, you're, bring, you're, you're, you're bringing you're bringing out memories. <laughs> I just remember. No, no, I just remember. But my parents had a picture of me dressed as a uh, jockey. What? <laughs> as a jockey? Really? As a little jockey? kid? Yeah. We gotta get this picture up. Somewhere. No, yeah. Oh, please, Ray, you gotta show yeah, me that. Yeah, I just one. remembered it. Yeah. No, but but seriously though, our our kids are disconnected from that. But remember, you would take your film in to get exposed, and then you'd get like five pictures where it's all blurry or yeah. like. You so know, bummed. strobed as you're like passing. Yeah, but yeah, I, I've got a thousand. That's funny. I was telling Summer and Matthias the other day, I said, I have over a thousand pictures in the album I created for my grandson, Haddon, on my phone. Just of yourself. And they laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. me. I love my grandson. I love my grandson. Speaking of dressing no, up. No, but real quick, Oscar. Um, is that a way of saying shut up? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the Christian way of That's saying shut of up. You. Is there a nice way to say shut up? You just really. did it. Hey, bro. Can, seriously. Um, hey, bro, can you please uh, shut up real quick? Well, you can't. <laughs> There's no it, nice way, right? You could separate the words. Yeah. You could say, Ray taught me that you really can say anything as long as you finish it up with precious That's when it. talking to the wife. Shut up, precious. That's it. <laughs> well, I do that, that often. <laughs> Anyway, Matthias and Summer, Not they, they look at me with disdain. And they go, that's all? <laughs> They've got like 20,000 pictures of, of Haddon. Anyway, speaking of pictures real quick, <laughs> Rachel just sent this, talking about grandmas and pictures. It's Haddon in our storage area in our garage, and he's pointing to an old TV that we have. And he, she said, he was singing, Jesus loves the TV, <laughs> same tune as Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, that's funny. Uh, were you dressed up as a jockey for like Halloween or something? What, no, it was only it? for a few years. I didn't. For a few <laughs> years? Oh, no, it was me. just a picture. I, was, I had a cigarette lighter that I was lighting and I was dressed as a jockey. How I old were remember. You? I was about four. How funny. Yeah. Wow. I, that reminded Hooray. me one Halloween. It was the Halloween that the movie Batman Returns came out. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but like there was a bunch of controversy in that movie because it was really dark and they thought it was going to be a children's movie. Like McDonald's had like bought rights to carry toys and they ended up like backing out of the deal once they saw the movie because it's, it's, it's pretty dark, you know? And Whoa. one of the main characters is Penguin. And this is, I think this is like first or second grade for me. Okay. So I watched the movie and I loved it because my mom had no, like the rating system for movies didn't matter to my mom back in those days. But I wanted to dress up as the penguin and I wanted to like go all out with like goo coming out of my face. And I put all this like stuff on to make me look big and this big old nose. And like, I just looked morbid. And I also had this crush on this girl. Lena was her name. And I was like, man, I look so cool. Like, you got to take me to her house so that she can see me because she's going to really like it. Because in my first grade head, I'm thinking like, of course, girls are going to like disgusting How old things. are you in first grade? 
five, six? Sex, so in yeah. my mind, I'm like, girls like gross things, right? Like, why wouldn't they like gross <laughs> things? So I have like, for Halloween, like I have my parents, my mom stop at her house first. I knock on her door and my, the whole time my mom's like, I don't know if she's going to like this. You know, I don't, I don't know if this is like what, how, how you get girls to notice you or whatever. And Lena opens the door or her parents open the door and they call Lena over and Lena comes over and she's like, that's so cool. So I was right. <laughs> she oh. liked the morbidness. She liked it, it. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar. That was weird. You are. Are. Currently. <laughs> are. All right, friends. Enough of this silliness. Here's a comment from Hagen777. Love the guys at Living Waters. They are a great source of biblical truth. I recommend you listen to the podcast. Also, order the Evidence Study Bible. It has great information. Who said that? Did Hayden say that? What's that? Did that guy say that? Uh, Hagen, if it's yeah. a guy. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that nice? Evidence study Bible. Ray, can you take us back to the second that you conceived the thought of the evidence study Bible? No. You don't remember a thing? No, no, not Nothing. really. No, I, well, I remember I, I, I suggested it to the publishers and uh, left it in their court. And then they came back? They came back with a home run, which is a mixing of metaphors. Came back. Or home run. Yeah, field. You left it in their field. Mm. They came back. I gave them a curveball and they knocked Ooh. it out of the park. Yeah. How about an evidence study Bible for kids? That's yeah, a right. Good idea. right there. Yeah, just give it to kids. Start it right. Same <laughs> <laughs> Bible. Yeah. Just write four kids on it. Yeah. That'll, that'll take care of it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, friend, for writing in. We're blessed that we've been a blessing to you. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by the Curved Illusion Tract. Believe it or not, that is the first tract that I ever saw in Ray Comfort's hand. What was that? In person. You've got to be choking. Curved illusion. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was pink and blue and larger. I like the pink and blue. Yeah, pink and blue. Why'd we change it? Oh, red uh, and blue are better. That was no, my no, idea. pink and blue. Oh, you, you're the one that changed it. You ruined a joke that I used to pink make. Pink and blue. Yeah, right? we can't what was the joke? It was right hold some of those little packets of sugar. They were pink and blue. There was equal and what was the other one? I can't remember. And I said, which is bigger? And they'd say this one. I said, no, this one is equal. And it was like a joke. And so I can't do that. I ruined your life? Yes, you ruined my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, curved illusion, friends. Oh, and we have them, I think, in Spanish, but they're in red and green. Hmm. I think <laughs> more fitting. Oh no, that's yeah, that's Spanish, we, the Spanish flag, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then we have the uh, yes, yes. the Halloween ones, black and orange, orange and black, black and orange, orange. And uh, also, friends, I mentioned it last time, but make sure to check out the tracked sample pack. Anyway, the curved illusions are cool because you hold them one way, one looks longer than the other, and you switch them the other way, the other color looks longer than the other. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> What? <laughs> what I was talking about one looks longer than the other. The other yeah, one yeah. over. If you were up. paying attention instead of looking at Mark's computer, yeah. he was looking at sugars, sugars, sweet and low, and um, um, equal, equal, equal. Yeah, sweet. Oh, sweet and low. That was it. Yeah, sweet that was and low. It. That's like uh, that's like me. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> no, sweet and very low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very low. All right, friends. Make sure to check those out along with the track sample pack that I mentioned last time and. We have a study Bible at livingwaters.com. I'm so calm today. Mm-hmm. So mellow. So humble. All right, friends. Today we're talking about Jim Elliott and Elizabeth Elliott's extraordinary sacrifice. You know, uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliott have gone down in history in such a way that you cannot hear their names without... Crying. Thinking about, yeah. Without crying. <laughs> oh, no, not again. Not this time. Uh, without thinking about, I would say, I mean, we talked about it with Ruth. Sacrifice. sacrifice yeah. Sacrifice and love. 
uh, first because of what Jim and Nate Saint and their bunch did, but then <laughs> what Elizabeth Elliot and the ladies did after that. We'll talk about all that. But they are extraordinary people. I had the privilege of, of speaking at a conference uh, where Elizabeth Elliot's daughter really? spoke. Yeah. Oh, there was nothing. I spoke at a church in 1991, first time I taught Hell's Best Kept Secret in a local church. Elizabeth Elliot was in the congregation and no came way. up afterwards. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you talk to her? Yeah. What'd she say to you? Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really wow. an honor. In fact, uh, I ran into her on the elevator and the elevator wasn't working. She's like, what do you do with this <laughs> what thing? What do you mean? You were two weeks in the elevator? I was going to the elevator and she's like, that's, that's where we met. And then I, I didn't know that she was Elizabeth Elliot's daughter. I knew she was going to be speaking there, but then we met. And then it was such an honor because I think her husband and other family members you know, sat in on, on, on my teachings. And it was just, it was really an honor and a blessing. But yeah, let's jump into their lives. Oscar, why don't you kick us off with a little bit of background on the Elliots? The Elliots. Uh, well, side note, I, I told you right before the program that just so happens like a week before you sent the text for the idea of doing this program on Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, I had so happened to buy Elizabeth Elliot's new biography. Oh. So I'm only a handful of chapters in, but so far it's really good. It's called uh, Elizabeth Elliot, A Life, I think mm. that's what it's called. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, the story starts out with Jim Elliot and his friends. They were from, uh, I think, Portland area. Is yeah, that right? Yep, right? They had this strong desire to go and be missionaries. And uh, that that process ended up taking them to Ecuador, I believe. And in, in so going to Ecuador, there was a tribe of people that were unreached. And they were known locally in the local language as savages. Uh, and I know that can be a derogatory term, but that is with the other Indian tribes, how they reference these Ecuadorians. Their homicide rate was 60%. They rarely lived to the age of 30 when, whether it was farmers or other missionaries or other tribes people, anytime somebody would approach this area of the jungle, they would be met with spears and death. And so... So when you say 60%, they, their, their tribe had that rate 60% of murder? homicide rate. Yeah, yeah. and they, they, were, each other. they were called yeah. back then the Akas, and, and now they're, they're called the, the Wadoni people. Yeah, so the Aka means it is in their native language as uh, savage, yeah. which is why at first when Americans went over there, they thought that was the language, that was the name of the tribe because that's what all the other tribes call them. And then they realized when they started translating the language into English, they realized that it was a derogatory term used for mm -hmm. them that is meant savage. Yeah. And so they found the- Wa'odani's. Yeah, Wa'odani, yeah. 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 And, and you know what I love about, about the story uh, of Jim Elliott is, and, and, uh, Christianity.com uh, really gives a good layout kind of, of of the story. But it says that when he was a little boy in Oregon, he, he sat around listening to missionaries who would visit, you know, his family and, and he'd listen to their stories about the mission field. And he'd, he'd ask them questions and, and like inquire about that. And, and he was heartbroken that there were people in other lands mm -hmm. dying without the gospel. And Mark, I think this is this is a good place to to reiterate something you've shared before about how people who say, "Hey, if people die without hearing the gospel, then they're going to go to heaven," and so therefore, 
you know, or what about those tribes, right, that have never heard of the gospel? Obviously, they're going to go to heaven because they never heard the gospel. You point out the, and the fallacies in that and what we should do then instead of preach the gospel. Yeah, when somebody asks the question, you know, what happens to the person who's never heard? Usually when that question is asked from a skeptic, it's from the angle of, go talk to them, or I don't care, or obviously Jesus isn't the only way. But the, the truth is, the, the way we are supposed to answer that question, I believe, is there's an urgency attached to the mission. We, we need to go into the highways, byways, and getaways, compel people to come, because if you don't go through Jesus Christ, you go to hell. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby which man must be saved. Yeah. You have to go through Jesus Christ. If there is another way to get to heaven and not go through Jesus Christ, well, then Jesus died in vain. Mm. So, salvation, though it's a free gift for us, it costs the Father everything. You have to go through Jesus. Ultimately, what happens to an individual who has sinned against God, has not repented of their sins and placed their trust in Jesus, they go to hell. And I don't say that with joy in my lips. That's just the, the fact of the matter, because you have to go through Jesus. If there is another way to get to heaven and not go through Jesus, well, then... And here's, this is the saying, this is perhaps what you're leading to. We don't send missionaries into the 1040 window to try to reach people that have never heard about Jesus. Instead, we should be sending general contractors who can build big walls around these huts, hoping that a missionary doesn't go inside there, and then they're held accountable. Right. Why are we sending missionaries? Because there is an urgency. Why is there an urgency? Because if you die without Christ, you go to hell. Mm. That, that, that's what happens. Yeah. Right? So we have to send missionaries. We go into the highways, byways, and getaways. Leonard Ravenhill said, most Christians spend more money on dog food than they do on missions. And that's true. I mean, think about how much money you have put towards the mission field or towards missionaries. And we spend more money on the the, the most trivial things. Tell the dog that. (laughs) Tell the dog. (laughs) Yeah, right? So... Yeah, so that's so that's the saying, right? Yeah. I mean, we need to be careful, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. And Ray, you know, we're talking about missions here, and a lot of times you'll get people that are eager to go out on the mission field, but they're not sharing the gospel at home. Wouldn't you liken that to a doctor who has people that are dying all around him, and he has the capability of helping them, but he's saying, "No, no, no, I'm going to go help the dying people." Uh, in this other country, and never does anything. Again, not that people don't have a call, but if you're not witnessing at home, there's a disconnect between that and you wanting to go be a missionary elsewhere. Yeah, I know of an often forgotten unreached people's group. The woman hardly wear any clothes. They paint their faces. They're so primitive. They have piercings through their tongues. The eyebrows, the lips and nose, these people actually think they're ancestors of apes. They speak in an unclean language and so evil that they kill their own offspring. This often overlooked millions can be found in colleges and universities throughout the United States. Uh, There's something exciting about missions overseas and something mundane about witnessing in your own city. It doesn't have that kind of excitement to it. But unreached people uh, who are uh, are near are just as lost as people who are far. Mm, Many of us overlook their own people to look overseas. Mm. So uh, we need to start in Jerusalem and then go into the outermost part of the earth. That's good. I'm yeah. overseas. <laughs> you are overseas. <laughs> you are. Ray, you are actually a long-term missionary, if you think about it, coming from New Zealand here. I think it was Oswald Sanders who said, um, we talk of the second coming when half the world hasn't heard of the first. That's right. He was a New Zealander, was he? Oswald Sanders. He could repent. 
No, yes. you can't repent of that. That's what it is. <laughs> you can't be born again. The fall. Born again. Yeah. Yeah, I've often said when missionaries are a part of a church that isn't sharing the gospel locally, what do you think is going to happen when they go abroad? They're going to emulate the model of their church. They're going to get there and not share the gospel, and they're going to start looking <laughs> to send <laughs> their people elsewhere stay. who are going to go and not share the gospel. I think the most effective missionaries are those that are part of a community that is passionate about the gospel at home. And then they're like, okay, well, we've been reaching the lost here. We see that our church has plenty of laborers. There are other parts of the world that haven't heard the gospel. All right, let's go. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. And, and when they do that, they can go with a clear conscience and also with a, an exercised life in the proclamation of the gospel. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. And I love the way you said proclamation of the gospel, because remember Rachel went overseas to India with a missionary group and sat above, I think it was Bombay on a hill, and prayed for the city. They didn't preach the gospel. Yeah, could have done it at home. Sat here and prayed for Bombay here. But the the, the the, view was nicer. The view was not not in Bombay. You couldn't probably see the city. Um, But um, yeah, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's And use words if necessary. Was it St. Francis a sissy? Yeah, what was St. Francis a sissy? (laughs) Uh, That's that's a play on friends for those of you who don't know. St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, that, but that he didn't city. actually say that. No, well, that, it can't be proven. Yeah. yeah, it was his mother. It was his mother. <laughs> it was his mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or his sissy. Yeah. Hey! Wow. Wow. Finally. Finally. So Jim Elliott's a kid, right? He's hearing missionaries come and talk, which I think is is good to remember that our kids can be influenced at a young age. Yeah. That's why I influence my kids have missionaries come from Hawaii. <laughs> Tahiti? <laughs> yeah, seriously, though, I mean... You may not be able to get missionaries to come sit in your home, but man, expose your kids to biographies. Yes. We did that a lot with our kids growing up. We would read biographies. We had these these books called Hero Tales, and they would just get the kids exposed. To I ran out people. of biographies to read. There's a, a bit of a dearth in them. I, oh. I'd, like, I'd love there to be more. Seriously, yeah. biographies. I'm, I'm in a season of reading memoirs and biographies right now. There's some really good ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jim Elliott, is, he's impacted by that, and he thinks, man, that's, that's what I want to do. And so February 2nd, 1952, uh, he bids his parents goodbye. He hops on a ship uh, for an, oh, think of this, an 18-day trip, 18 days on <laughs> like a ship. Like a cruise, a royal cruise. Yeah, <laughs> right. He had his suntan lotion and everything. Um, and so he leaves from here, actually here in California. They leave out of San Pedro, 
They go to uh, Quito, Ecuador, South America. Keto diet. Keto. <laughs> Keto that's, diet. That's where it started. That's mm-hmm. all for missionaries. And uh, he had his partner, Pete Fleming, with him. And they spent a year in, in Quito learning to speak Spanish. I mean, that, that's, you know, that is real missionary work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, short-term missions, I think they have their place. They can sometimes, I think, be counterproductive, honestly, depending on whether those going are going on a tour as tourists in their minds, or if they're going to, to catch a vision and, and actually learn how to support yeah. you know, the missionaries. That's what missionaries, they learn the language so they can assimilate and, and be able to impact the people. That, that reminds me, we've talked often about Acts 17, about Paul and, and mm. the Greco-Roman world in Athens. He showed up as a missionary essentially in Athens to preach the gospel, but he spent time understanding their culture, meeting them where they were, helping them, pulling them towards Christ by understanding their longest needs and their ways of religiosity. And, yeah. and I think Jim Elliott does an, a, a great job of that. Yeah, big time. And so, you know, they, they spent about three years with people that were known as the uh, Quikas or the Quikukas. I don't know how you even say that. Uh, and then after that, you know, they had started reaching them. They started coming to the Lord. And then his ultimate goal of, of reaching the Akas was realized. And so they start, you know, flying over there. Now you have to remember these people were, were hardly touched by civilization. Right. So while he got, while, when Jim and Elizabeth Elliot and the rest of the crew got to Ecuador. At first, they were just there to reach lost people in general. And in the process of learning the language and understanding the land, they hear about sort of almost like old wives tales, that there's this tribe out there that nobody can get to, that nobody can reach, that if you get close, they'll attack you. And his response, while everyone else is like, stay away from them, like the Elliot's response was, that's where the Lord wants us. Mm. Not away from danger, but into danger. Not because they were adrenaline junkies, but because what they heard were there are people out there who are lost, who so don't know we're, Christ. We're going to drop pink and blue tracks by helicopter. <laughs> they actually started, yeah. they took their plane, the guys took their plane yeah. and flew around and until they found the tribe. And what they started doing is, I think they called it the gift drop campaign. So they basically would fly over the tribe and drop gifts from the airplane and then go land, I don't know, 20 or 30 miles away, spend the night, wake up the next day and do that over and over and over again to sort of initiate contact with mm. them. Yeah. And, you know, they, they knew the dangers involved with the Akas Absolutely. because they had killed a lot of the people that they had reached who they spent those three years with. And then they were also killing people who were in the region drilling for oil. I mean, these guys yes. were, they were murderous and, and violent people. So why you know? were they killing? Was there any reason for it? Just nasty? Sin. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, and that, and probably maybe a fear of, you know, what are they going to do to us? Or maybe they, they had a mindset of these or people. Or did they have a demonic religion that says you get yourself immortality by killing other people? Yeah. I'm, yeah. You know what, though? This is actually a good place to put this because oftentimes what you'll hear from the secular world is like, oh, those missionaries, those Christians, they go into these, you know, aboriginous tribes and they bring sickness and disease. And ultimately, yeah. the only reason why they ever wanted to go in there wasn't because they wanted to tell them about Jesus, but it was because they wanted to inoculate into them into Western civilization right? Like this was like the conquistadors of Spain type thing. Mm. And the problem with that narrative is that often they, they position Native Americans as like these peaceful communities that were living in great harmony, that were at one with the land. But the reality is many of these tribes, including this tribe here is a great example, were not living peacefully. 
Many of the tribes the missionaries were trying to meet were sacrificing living babies on burning altars. They would witness them, the melting skin of an infant child. Again, 60% homicide rate. And so the point is Mm. nobody shows up to a land like that and go, oh, that's your way of doing things. Who am I to judge? You guys do it your way and we're going to do it ours. No, like you, it's, it's like you talk about all the time. It's like, man, you have a cure for a disease. This isn't about advancing. Jim Elliott didn't give a rip about advancing Western civilization. He cared about their souls mm-hmm. and that's why he put his life at risk. Yeah. Well, well stated. You know, Mark, we look at danger as Christians almost as sort of a stopgate for us to go and do things for the sake of the kingdom. I mean, you know, scripture talks about if anyone suffers, um, you know, for, for wrongdoing, he should be ashamed. But, but there is an appropriate suffering associated with us as Christians for the sake of the gospel. But the church was birthed in danger. Like it's all that they knew. From, yeah, from the outset. You know, some have been appointed to suffer for his namesake. Yeah. You know, what is the exact quote? You guys will probably know it, that uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yeah, that'll do right. it. It's the way God works. If you were to ask Jim, would you go and do it all over again? In hindsight, you know, he, he would say yes. Mm. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's just the way it is, because worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his <laughs> suffering. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. Somebody once said, and I've kind of echoed it many times since. Yeah. You know, as long as the Lord is in it, I'm good. And then there's that element of faith. You know, at what point, perhaps, was Jim a part of it where he was just saying, maybe we should have waited another month, <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, what's going on? They're second guessing in the, in the midst of all of that's happening. But listen, trials and tribulation and persecution and sufferings, all of these things are, are really God's avenue to establish the fact that, and a reminder that this is not our home. Yeah. That we are passing through, that we're foreigners in a foreign land, that we're homesick for a home we've never been to, and we're in love with a God we've never seen, and in love with a God we've never heard. Yeah. That That is the right mindset of a Christian as trials and things come your way. If, you, if you're not winning people for Christ, if you're not attempting to move forward and to march forward on your knees and to do these things that God has called us and commanded us and commissioned us to do— well, then what, what are you doing? What are you doing of eternal value? Uh, David Platt said, Jesus has not given us a commission to consider. He's given us a command to obey. Mm. You know, John Piper was asked the question, you know, so are you saying that um, my kids need to all become missionaries? He says, well, no, your son's already a missionary. Just huh. where is he a missionary at? Wow, that's good. You know, yeah. missions exist because worship does not. He went on to say, because worship does not exist in this area, that's, this is why we bring the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Right? Get that plan together and go. Yeah. And it's not enough to learn. It's not enough to be the Dead Sea where there's that inlet. You need to have the outlet as well. So, start with the man in the mirror. Move on to family and friends and to coworkers. Go to the person across the street. And from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, that is the command. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Uh, have you seen churches that have got on the inside of the door as you walk out of the church, you're now entering a mission field? I love that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like what Justin Peter said, you know, concerning uh, mission. Bieber? <laughs> well, actually, I'll go back to Jim Elliott first. Uh, Jim Elliott said, you don't need a verse when you have... You don't need a voice when you have a verse. Yeah. If God's calling me to go, I'm willing to go. In the meantime, I'm going to stay. Mm. No, we, it's, that's not it. 
God's already called us to go, what you need to say is, I'm going to go, but I'm willing to stay. Should God call me to stay? Yeah. But the question is, how is God going to call you to stay when he's already called you to go? Mm. Right? You don't need a voice when you have a verse. If you, wanna, if you want God to speak to you, read his word. If you want God to speak to you out loud, read his word out loud. Yeah. There is the commission. Now go, and he's with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, if you want I love God it. to speak to you loudly, read the Amplified Bible. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I love you know Paul's approach. He was going places, and then it said the Spirit forbade us. Mm. It's like they were just going. It's yep. like, all right, Lord, you can stop us <laughs> you right. know, if you want to. All right, so, so then after, again, after they, they start going and trying to check out where the Akas were at, they were flying over, and then they thought, okay, let's show some friendly gestures. So they started lowering that bucket that Oscar mentioned. They were giving them supplies and stuff. They had a... a Hell's Base kept secret. <laughs> yeah, CDs. without the cover. They, they had and, a... And in and out gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> they had a speaker, and they, they would just speak out friendly Aka sort of phrases to show them, hey, we mean well, we mean well. And then eventually, when they felt, okay, this is safe, because the Akas had actually gave them a gift one time in the bucket back to them. So they thought, oh, you know, th- th- this is friendship. Like they, 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 uh, they want to interact with us. What, was, so, the, what was the gift? Hell's best kept secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. it yeah. was a voodoo doll with a bunch of pins <laughs> stuck in it. They didn't get the message. That is a good question. I wonder what was in it. Yeah. So then they thought, okay, we're going to make our approach. And that was a big deal. So they, they found a beach that seemed long enough for them to land. They land the plane. They had made calls after they landed the people, you know, telling them, hey, come to the beach, come to the beach. Four days later, a couple people come down. It was hard to communicate with them. Finally, at first it was friendly. Mean? Yeah, at first it seemed friendly. Yeah. They said to them, okay, bring more people, bring more people. And so they waited uh, a couple days, and, and this, is, this is where the, the story picks up. And Well, you're going to cry with this one. Oh, man, I don't want to cry. You're an I'm ugly not... crier, too. We don't want to <laughs> see it. It's terrible. <laughs> Haven't we got a veil to put over your face oh, like that Moses? Was my crying? <laughs> so it says, the missionaries waited for other Akas to return for the next two days. Finally, two Aka women walked out of the jungle on day six. Jim and Pete excitedly jumped in the river and waded over to them. As it got closer, these women did not appear friendly. Jim and Pete almost immediately heard a terrifying cry behind them. As they turned, they saw a group of Aka warriors with their spears raised, ready to throw. Jim Elliott reached for the gun in his pocket. He had to decide instantly if he should use it. <sighs> Why? Why did you say it, Ray? I'm sorry. But he knew he couldn't. Each of the missionaries had promised they would not kill an Aka who did not know Jesus to save himself. From being killed. Do you want us to stand behind you and hold your vocal cords? <laughs> Within seconds, the Aka warriors threw their spears, killing the missionaries and Macaulay, Roger Yoderain, Nate Saint, Pete Fleming, and Jim Elliott. Later in the afternoon of Sunday, January 8th, Elizabeth Elliott, Jim's wife, waited by the two way radio to hear Nate Saint and his wife discussed how things had gone that day, but there was no call. As evening turned to night, the wives grew worried. They knew the news was not good. The next morning, another missionary pilot flew over the beach to look for the men. He saw only the badly damaged plane on the beach. News quickly spread around the world about the five missing missionaries. United States search team went to the beach, found the missionaries' bodies, and buried them. So they didn't take the bodies. <sighs> no. They killed them and left them there. They killed them, yeah. Have you guys watched The End of the Spear? It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, that... that movie i think depicted is that the documentary or Mm. no it's a it's a a a drama uh but but that scene you know of what happened i mean here they were and but again just that thought he could have saved their lives 
right there and then. But <laughs> they made that ultimate sacrifice, mm. you know? And then what blows me away is then what ended up happening. After. Where Elizabeth Elliot ended up with uh, the other women. And ended her up, two-year-old daughter. Yeah, moving there. Yeah, so. And Richard, so Oscar and picked this that is, up. This is where I'm at in, in her biography that, you know, they find out that their husbands die and Elizabeth Elliot in this biography, they talk about how her and the other wives, which is, they just didn't know what to do. I mean, they just lost all their husbands. She has this two-year-old daughter. I think she was, uh, no, she wasn't even two yet, actually. And she was anyway, a newborn baby daughter. And she started praying like, what, what am I to do? Am I going back, you know, to the States? What will you have me do Lord? And through those prayers, she felt God call her to go to the tribe. And she admits through letters that they now know, like she was pet, she did not want to go. She didn't know she was going to go and resent them. She didn't know she was going to like risk her daughter's life as well. But ultimately she was faithful to the Lord. Her and one other wife walk out into the tribe. They meet the, the tribesmen and this time they accept them into the community and they end up living with them for several years. And I mean, there's pictures of her and her daughter there being educated by them and educating them, sharing the gospel with them, living among the very people who took her husband's life, mm. acting out forgiveness mm. for the sake of the gospel wow. and Thanks. putting herself and her daughter at risk. Yeah. And well, how did they get received? I didn't, I don't, I don't know the story that, that aspect of it. Why were they now received when before they weren't received? So because yeah, they were females? It's a good question. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yeah. in the book. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you think about what that did to them. I mean, the gospel spread through the tribe. Yeah. And they were one, one of the tribes. guys who uh, killed the men ended up getting baptized and became like a local pastor. Yeah. One of the guys <laughs> that threw the spear. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Ray, I think this coincides with what you often say. Don't pray for less fear. Pray for more love. Yeah, that's true. The, 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 um, biography, or is it called Through the Gates of Splendor? That's yeah. Elizabeth Elliot wrote that, yeah. yeah. That was her first book. Yeah. And that's the story we're talking about. Yes, exactly, yeah. And End of the Spear is the, the movie. It's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what love and action. Yeah, and I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. It's stepping back and saying, look, I, we're not left without a, a great example, like I talked in the last podcast, from God himself on what love entails. Mm -hmm. Christ came down to die. Mm. And that's so much infinitely worse than what we could suffer at the hands of man, because he was suffering it at the hands of his creation. He was being nailed to a piece of wood that came from a tree he made. He, he was nailed by spikes that came from the elements of the earth that he fashioned and formed. He, he was blasphemed by vocal cords and tongues and lips that he fashioned and formed. Yeah. Mm. And, and he was going to experience that separation from the Father as he bore the, the sins of the world. Yeah. What's the illustration you give, Easy, on uh, the Chihuahua? Where he becomes yeah, it's it's one I I heard years ago. Yeah, it's like imagine us becoming Chihuahuas to save a breed of ravenous pit bulls and Doberman pinchers that we knew were going to devour us, mm -hmm. and we did it to save them. I mean, well, Elizabeth wow. Elliot in one of her books talks about how, for statistically speaking, like how her two years with the the tribal people, you could say 
sort of ended in failure, or at least she said that during that two years, she felt like it was ending in failure. Cause even though a few of them got saved, including one of the murderers, uh, for the most part, they didn't accept the gospel and it was met with a lot of challenges. And that's an important aspect because what Elizabeth Elliot says in her book is that in those moments, we are faithful to the Lord, not because of the results that he wants to produce outside of us, but because of the results he's producing inside of us. Mm. And so she would say that like what like she's thankful for that time because of the way it shaped her to be more like her savior. And Elizabeth Elliot has an extraordinary life. She spent two years with the people who murdered her husband. She then gets remarried and her husband of four years dies of cancer. She's the author of over 20 books, including Passion and Purity, Let Me Be a Woman, which is all about complementarianism, and Through the Gates of Splendor, which you mentioned. She ends up becoming a contributor to the NIV, which is incredible. She becomes a professor, a teaching professor at Gordon-Conwell University. And this is actually one of my, this is the reason why I wanted to read her biography, is because I was reading another book that talked about how she would give lectures about teaching. She was a complementarian. And she would give these lectures and she would start the class, like every every semester she would start with this thing. Uh, and multiple people have said, like they've heard her say this. She would get up and she'd be like, I know the original language is better. She's talking to men that are gonna be future pastors. She's like, I know the language is better than you do. I've communicated to tens of thousands of people. I've, I've written over 20 books. I know the language, I know the gospel, likely better than you ever will. And yet you are the ones that are called to preach. So get out your pen and paper and take notes because the church needs you. And out of those classes, Kevin D. Young, R.C. Sproul, and the Kellers. Well, Not to mention who knows however many wow, other they pastors. In, in they were, they've all been inspired. They've all taken her courses wow. and been inspired by her, well, her classes. Absolutely amazing. Wow. And you know, we know the, the most famous quote by Jim Elliott, he is mm. no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And that's basically what his philosophy was. Now listen to this quote by him. And this is, this is from a man who was unwilling to accept the way of escape, even though he had it right? In terms of his life. But listen Mm -hmm. to what he said. Unwillingness to accept God's way of escape from temptation frightens me. What a rebel yet resides within. Mm. God mercifully gives us a way of escape from temptation Mm. and we're unwilling to take it. Like it's right there. Hey, you can be free from this. Nah, I'm going to give in to this. That's terrifying. Especially in light of the fact that we say God is so faithful. Mm-hmm. Is he faithful? He's so trustworthy. Sure. And then we go and sin. Wait, is he faithful and trustworthy? Well, then trust the plan, you know, but isn't it the case that we, we often will shun that and we say that God is not faithful through our actions every time we take a bite of that apple, every time we nibble on the things of this world and not go after the things of God. You know, God forbid, there needs to be a fire lit underneath us so that we go even harder. And that's what trials do, right? And when we, we try to... And we, you know, Ray, we say it tongue in cheek with refiner's fire. We don't want to give it. (laughs) But but truth be told, God's not going to give us uh, what we don't need, right? He's not just going to go, all right, you you sang that or you hummed that or you did that. Well, I'm going to turn on the fire for no no specific reason. No, God doesn't waste anything, Mm. right? Everything inside of our life is hand-given, hand-directed, hand-picked by God in order to make us into the image of his son more and more and to prepare us for every 
good work. We don't have to worry that God is behind the scenes, busy with a lot of different things and saying, oh, you like saying refiner's fire or you're not wanting to do that. And he just kind of spanks us along the way. God is not like that, Mm. right? Everything that God does inside of our life is purposeful, unlike us, as we kind of meander through this maze, kind of making decisions. Right. God is very purposeful with his children. Mm. And finally, I just remember a missionary who was in Peru, and as he was in Peru, he got picked up by the police, and the police were pulling him to the uh, police station, and he was asked the question by the police officer, he says, are you afraid? You know, you, you look afraid, are you afraid? And the missionary said, yeah, I'm very afraid. He says, good, you should be. He said, well, no, I'm not afraid for me. I'm afraid for you. Hmm. <laughs> right? That, that's a focus that we need to have because when somebody comes up against us, they're not just coming up against us. They're coming up against God's child, and God takes that very personal. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it comes down to, to trust, doesn't it, Ray? Mm-hmm. Trusting the Lord with, with our lives. Those slay me, yet will I trust him. Praise yeah. him. Yeah. And Mark... Uh, this that's, from, that's a quote from the book of Job. I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, this reminds me of a quote by Thomas Watson in, in the book, The Art of Divine Contentment. Mm. He said, a contended Christian does not go to choose his cross, but leaves God to choose for him. He is content both for the kind of the affliction and the duration of the affliction. A contented spirit says, let God apply whatever medicine he pleases and let it lie on as long as it will. I know when it has done its cure and eaten the venom of sin out of my heart, God will take it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ray, you know, as we wrap up here, your name is Ray Comfort, <laughs> Comfort, but you went, you went through a very, very uncomfortable, difficult, painful trial. Which for, one are you talking about? <laughs> this one right now. <laughs> when, when an Arab became your son. <laughs> when you went through the, the agoraphobia yeah. that you went through. And that was devastating for your life. But God did a lot in you through it. Oh, yeah, he broke me. Absolutely destroyed me. So, this was before the ministry really took off. Yes, before the ministry took off. And I remember reading a quote, I think it was Toza, before God uses a man, God breaks a man. Mark's taking pictures of me. Stop That's your phone. <laughs> it's on my phone. Get rid of it. <laughs> what a pain. He's a continual um, um, irritation and marks per- your cross. Yeah, he's cr- creating cross. a pearl in yeah. me. He's he's in the oyster, <laughs> he's in the oyster shell always yeah. picking on me, but I love it. Um, yeah. So whatever I said was really great. Oh, you were in the <laughs> What you were quoting someone or saying something? Oh, A. W. Tozer oh. said, "Before God uses a man, God breaks a man," and that gave me great consolation because I ended up broken. Yeah, I mean, it was severe. Hmm, very. What you went through? Yeah. So, Oscar, uh, what's the big takeaway from the day in light of the Elliots and their extraordinary example? I mean, again, we've mentioned how biblical characters didn't see the end of the story, but, you know, the same is true with, with extra-biblical characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they didn't fully see it, at least Jim didn't. Elizabeth got to see some of it, but her life is still bearing fruit. That's I mean, good. you mentioned those three three leaders. I think especially right now, like you don't need to go to some Ecuadorian jungle uh, to experience danger and to preach the gospel. <laughs> We're in it. Mm-hmm. We are living, if you're here, I mean, I, I recognize that this podcast goes out all over the world. And so maybe you're living in a missions field that's like that. And that's your hometown. For us in the United States, let me talk to us in the United States for a second here. 
we are living in a kind of Babylon. Yeah. We are exiles and we need to be evangelists as exiles. We are living in a foreign land. This is not our home. And I think that's the key thing that we have to remember is that we are every single one of us exiles. This is not our home. And God has called us to be faithful, to be on mission. But man, that's exciting and good news. Yeah. There are so many of us out there with living without purpose, mm. living to do nothing else but to pursue comfort in our own life. And that is a boring, horrible life to live. But the Christian is born again, saved from sin and put on mission for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. That means that your life has purpose. And that purpose is to proclaim the excellencies of the one who brought you out of death into life. Amen. Well put, Oscar. And yeah, friends, uh, recognize that uh, we are on a mission field. I mean, Ray, you, you put it well with the universities today. We used to be able to say maybe 10 years ago, people are gospel hardened. Now I feel like it's come full circle. People are gospel ignorant. This young generation are gospel ignorant. Boy. They, they are disconnected from the foundations of God's word and even the basics of the gospel. And so uh, we have a mission field here. If you feel called elsewhere, be faithful here and let the Lord then send you on. All right, friends. Wow, that was powerful. I thought I'd make it through without crying. I didn't. But I I never thought you had a chance. uh, I thought I might, but uh, I will cry if you don't get the Curved Illusion tracks. Make sure to check them out. No longer pink and blue, red and blue, the proper colors. And don't forget the track sample pack and the Evidence Study Bible. Oh, and the Living Waters podcast mug that is sitting on our tables here so beautifully. They've been going fast, friends. Get them. Get them now. So you can flick our faces with your finger. (laughs) Flick our faces. uh, Do tic-tac-toe with our faces. uh, Whatever you want to do. And uh, make sure to send us your thoughts and comments to podcast at livingwaters.com. Give us ratings and comments on the platform where you listen. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where especially Mark, as he stares at me now, has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) What he's doing. That was funny. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.